Lumos. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Harry Podcast, the show where we analyze and discuss each chapter of the Harry Potter series from a literary perspective. I'm David. And I'm Madeline. And today's episode is called Harry Podcast and Back to the Burrow. Today we will be discussing the confrontation between the wizarding and muggle world, memorable moments of humor, and the goodbye scene between Harry and Vernon in this chapter. So the day after Harry receives the invitation from the Weasleys, um, the atmosphere at the Dursley house is very tense. Vernon is all dressed up and wearing his best suit, Petunia is not eating, and Dudley is waddling from room to room, covering his butt (laughs) cheeks with his hands and looking very terrified. So Harry realizes that while Vernon assumes that the Weasleys will arrive by car, he doesn't actually know what mode of transportation they'll take, and the tensions increase the later the Weasleys are. Suddenly they hear noises coming from the blocked-off fireplace, and Harry understands that they have tried to arrive by flu powder. Much to the Dursley's horror, Mr. Weasley blasts open the block fireplace, completely destroying the living room. While Mr. Weasley tries to be friendly and reassuring, Fred and George go upstairs to get Harry's trunk, causing Dudley to come in and join the group, still terrified. When Fred and George return, they head back into the fire, um, but not before dropping what looked like candies out of their pockets. Harry says an awkward goodbye to the room, to the Dursleys, and Mr. Weasley is very offended when the Dursleys don't return the favor. Um, Vernon is humiliated into saying a resentful goodbye. As Harry turns to leave, out of the corner of his eye, he sees Dudley choking on something slimy and purple, which turns out to be his tongue. Mr. Weasley insists that it's from the candy and tries to reverse the charm, but the Dursleys start to scream and throw things at him in their fear and in their anger. Um, Mr. Weasley then tells Harry just to go back to the burrow and he will stay to sort things out. Harry agrees and finally leaves after a thrown ornament from Vernon barely misses his head. (laughs) This is a really fun chapter, and it is is relatively short, like most of the chapters in in the early part of this book, but I really love reading it um, because it's thought-provoking, and it really does kind of, like, get to the heart of who all of these characters are, like, really quickly, and I think that's clever writing because, like, again, you know, what we've talked about before is, like, this book does the thing where it tries to reestablish all these characters in case you hadn't read the the Mm -hmm. previous ones. So if you're just meeting Mr. Weasley for the first time, you still get everything you need to know about him from this yeah, one scene. Yeah, and Fred and George. And, and Fred and George and Ron. Ron. Um, and and to some extent, the Dursleys, who mm-hmm. are characterized a little more in this chapter. Um, so uh, one thing that I wanted to start with that we left out of the last discussion is, you know, we, we talked about the invitation and, and how it framed this discussion between Harry and Vernon. We didn't talk about why it was sent, though. Which I think is interesting right. because Ron then sends another letter saying, like, regardless of what they say to the invitation, we're coming to get you. Mm-hmm. So what was the point of Molly sending that letter? So I think the point was that, you know, even though Molly has an understanding of what the Dursleys are like, I don't think any of the Weasleys really know until this scene um, how extreme it is. And I think that it was a, a way of, like, trying to appeal to their human decency and say – hey, you are the caretakers, you are the family members of Harry, we're, he's, you know, a minor, we're going to ask your permission to take him to this event. You know, it's something that, that anyone would do in, in, in our world as well, right? Like, ask if they, you can take their kid to come somewhere, right? Right. So she's, she's asking and she's trying to, um, 
also give some respect to the Dursleys and say, hey, like, you get a say in this and we're not just going to come pick him up in the middle of the night without telling you. Yeah, I think that's true. I think one of the cool things about that is that she tries, she makes an effort to come to them on their level. Right. She tries to send them a letter via the post yes, instead of yes. an owl, um, which was obviously more comfortable for her to just send an owl. Um, but she tries to meet them, like, on their terms. Yeah. It doesn't work. And that's honestly one of the, you know, it's funny, but it's also sad that, like, she went through all this effort, but then something as inane as, like, not knowing how many stamps to put on. Right. Um, kind of screws it up for her. But, uh, yeah, I mean, she, she makes a good faith effort. One of the things that you said that caught my attention was, like, they don't understand them yet. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I think this chapter does really well is it shows you how both of these families have like no ability to understand the other at all right they're like completely antithetical in terms of like their attitudes about the world like the weasleys are are like pretty normal for wizards Mm -hmm. you know they're they're kind they're loving they're affectionate they're compassionate they are very friendly um and but you know otherwise a fairly normal wizarding family um the dursleys are obsessed with normalcy Mm -hmm. but they think of the weasleys as like freaks because they're wizards right. and the weasleys for their part think of the dursleys as freaks for how obsessed with like normalcy they are and how much they reject wizards and how poorly they mistreat harry right and i think that it's w- one thing that's interesting is you know this chapter um is one of the only times that we have this kind of direct contact between muggle world and wizarding world um that we see played out especially between two- with respect to the dursleys i think with respect to the Dursleys, and especially between these two families in this contrasting way. Yeah. So I think um, what is interesting and which is what is maybe actually a kind of detriment to the series is that we don't get to see, we only get to see glimpses of, like, for example, Hermione's parents or other um, muggle-born wizards and families sort of having that positive interaction of like, hey, we're, you know, we're kind of a mixed family here or like right. we we can be friends with muggles and not interfere in your territory, right? So this is this is our example of it and this is the most extreme that we see. Um and everything is kind of revealed, like you said, in the characters' natural natural reactions to what happens. What's so sad too is that Mr. Weasley loves muggles and everything to yeah, do with muggles. Muggle technology, the way that they respond to wizards is fascinating to him. Like, he thinks of them as, like, his favorite type of people. Mm-hmm. And we saw, I think it was last book, where um, in Diagon Alley they meet up with Hermione's parents. And mm-hmm. he's, like, really excited about showing them how to change money and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, and so here, he, he probably, like, volunteered for this, like, trip instead of Molly. He because he wanted to see them. Yeah. He was like, I genuinely want to meet them and, like, talk to them and, you know, see what they're like and what their house is like. Um, and just the the level of disappointment he must have felt on, like seeing who they were and even just a glimpse of who they were like how poorly they treat harry how poorly they respond to like an you know a perceived intrusion or a mistake like that you know he went from being really excited to being really like kind of appalled and and embarrassed for them yeah it's true i it's if they had been if the dursleys had been you know anyone else or or anyone you know even if they weren't friendly if they were just slightly polite i think he would have been thrilled and the whole interaction could have gone differently i mean of course we see the fireplace literally does get burst open so we can say like even though we know they could he can fix that in five seconds you know the dursleys are still like hello you blow up our fireplace like understandable (laughs) but i also think that that imagery is just really good 
for the buildup of the last few chapters because it's all this tension exploding, literally, Mm -hmm. um, between Harry and the Dursleys, between Wizarding and Muggle World, and all the just natural tension there is in the house. Like, burst through the fake fireplace, real (laughs) flames, people coming in, everything's happening, right? So it's like, hey, the world is here. You can't. You can't block it out. You can't, um, you know, avoid it. And it reminds me of the letters as well. Um, the same letters coming in, in fact. same fireplace. They've boarded it up, and I, th- the author doesn't mention this. I assume that Vernon had the fireplace boarded up that After year that, or yeah. something, because you know his reaction to that wasn't, "I should answer letters." It was, "I need to board up the fireplace." Yeah. So once again, it takes the wrong lesson from that. Yeah. Um. No, you're totally spot on with like the how you know the the barriers are literally being burst apart between Muggle and Wizarding worlds in this little microcosm. I think also it's it's evident uh, that there's like like a class difference here. Mm-hmm. Vernon makes a whole point of like dressing up in his finest suit, and Harry thinks you know it's not because he wants to um, be friendly and welcoming; it's because he wants to intimidate right. the people he's meeting with. Like this is a power move. And Vernon, you know, comments on, like, what car are they driving? And mm-hmm. Harry says, I don't know. And, you know, Vernon assumes that it's some tin pot, mm-hmm. broken down, you know, POC. And, uh, and yeah, it's a class thing. Like, Vernon is upper class. The Weasleys are actually lower class, but he doesn't know that. Yeah. Um, he just kind of assumes that they're beneath him because they're people he doesn't know. Yeah, and this is what you're saying, too, about how there's no way they can possibly relate to each other or communicate mm-hmm. because the you know, intimidation strategies that Vernon probably does use with, you know, people in his world and in his work and things like that yeah. of, like, wearing a fancy suit or spending a lot of money and whatever. Um, they have no understanding of that, of the, what even that is supposed to mean, right? Like, right. Um, even, even like, upper class or um, kind of more pure-blood, quote-unquote, wizards that they interact with it's not like the clothes they're wearing or things like that that yeah. make them it's just kind of a known thing. So there's no there's no common ground for them to to even like fight each other with here. <laughs> yeah. And and like wizard economy discussions aside, like the idea that your your robes aren't as like fashionable as a rich person's robes. I mean, you can probably just make your own robes out of magic. Right. So like there's <laughs> no true. there's nothing really stopping That's you from true. Looking fancy. So there must be some other class struggle going on in the wizarding world that we're just not really privy to because it's not the focus of the books. But um, but yeah, so like this all is foreign to, to Vernon. He's trying to figure out like how to, again, like we were discussing last chapter, um, maintain a semblance of control over the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see him completely lose control toward the end of the chapter. Right. And that becomes very scary for him. It, it kind of breaks him in a mm-hmm. way. He just, like, starts turning into an animal and throwing things. Right. And screaming. Um, let's talk about Fred and George for a second. This is really our first time... Well, this is our first time seeing them in this book, but it's our first time really talking to them in depth in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is not a great look for them. No, not at all. I mean, they are very funny. Um, but, you know, this is our first glimpse into Weasley's Wizard Wheezes, which becomes their whole business and, and the focus of their um, characters for the next three books or so. But it's very cruel what they do here. It is, because they they know about the diet, right? Everybody knows about the diet, mm-hmm. and they also just see Dudley and are making fun of him. And they know that, you know, it's possible that Dudley could have 
eaten that when they had all left and there wouldn't have been you know a reversal charm like they don't know what's going to happen here and they don't care they took a, a really big gamble and you know they they clearly this was intentional like it, they're they're testing it. Mm-hmm. They wanted to see how a muggle would respond, yeah. like someone who was unaware of what the magic was going to be. Yeah, they're they're like you know using him as an animal to test this product. Yeah, and it not only is it super unethical, it's downright cruel. I mean, yeah, Mister Weasley was on hand to sort it out, but if he hadn't been, as you were saying, could have been really bad. Yeah, I mean, he could, they wouldn't have had any remedy for it, right? It's a magical... Like, he would have choked on his tongue, probably. And I, I mean, yeah. who knows? But, yeah, it's not a great look for them. I mean, it's funny. They, they're they sneaking off to get the trunk. They're probably making this plan. They see Dudley. Um, but it is... It is... You know, I f- do kind of feel for Dudley in this They came prepared. Scene. They yeah. brought a, a lot of these sweets with them into the house. And they were like... You know, they, ha- they clearly had this plan ready to go. They were like, we're going to create some sort of scenario where we accidentally drop these toffees mm-hmm. on the floor and then I'll make sure to pick all of them up except one yeah and and he'll definitely eat it because he's on a diet yeah um so yeah I mean very very cruel and I remember even the first time I read this when I was seven or eight years old feeling like yeah it's funny but it also makes me feel bad and I couldn't really define what that was at that age but now looking back I know that feeling and it's shame yeah. I'm embarrassed for them right. that it's they like would do something so mean. It's like there are like brothers, like we're in there on their side and their family. Yeah, it's like this is my family. These are my brothers. And I was like, why would you do that? That's just mean. And it sort of ruins this. Like, so, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about their sort of confrontation with Mr. Weasley in a second. But I think that the... Well, we don't have to because that's next chapter, really. No, sorry, sorry. I meant uh, the Dursley's confrontation. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, that, you know, we... If if that had not happened, oh, we would have left this whole scene with like all all being revealed in terms of the Dursleys behave terribly, the Weasleys behave kindly and mm-hmm. are trying to be respectful and take care of Harry, right? But because of that, it sort of o- overrides everything else. That's a really good point. that everything has done because so well, let's let's talk about this scene and then how things devolve because they're everything's fine i mean friend doors have dropped the candy but as far as we know like dudley still isn't freaking out or hasn't eaten it and we uh, take a moment and harry just says his awkward well bye to the dursleys you know not caring not expecting them to say anything um and then he starts to walk towards the fireplace and mr weasley is like hang on your nephew just said goodbye to you you're not going to see him for a whole year like are say goodbye to him what's wrong with you and it's almost like he has been trying to give these people the benefit of the doubt this whole time which he has and he's tried to be kind and he's tried to like fix up their place and then they're you know he sees like oh no these people really are you know what harry said and yeah they really don't care about him and it's honestly really sad i mean and you can tell again he's he's embarrassed for them yes he's very embarrassed for them in the same way that we as the reader are embarrassed for fred and george for behaving Mm -hmm. that way he is embarrassed for the dursleys for showing a complete lack of concern for the nephew that is their charge and harry's like uh harry is almost like oh you know because he so doesn't expect that he almost like is like feels bad i feel like for vernon in this moment because he's like you don't have to like you know he's like this is not how we do things here is kind of his vibe right um but well he's like an abuse victim he's like he's like listen mr weasley like they're not they're not gonna say we didn't anything do they don't care about me 
and it's fine. No like, worries. I'm really okay. I'm over it, yeah. I'm okay. Like, let's move on. But it's, you know, because Harry is such a resilient character, we can look at that and, and say, like, okay, yeah, we kind of, that's kind of funny. But, like, imagine if this was a real person, you know, and they, mm-hmm. they grow up their whole life and they have no family support at all. Yeah. I'm sure you know yeah. people like that from work. But, like, imagine them being strong enough to just be, like, when another adult is sticking up for them to be, like, listen, it's fine. I'm I'm over this whole situation. Right. And it happens, honestly, a lot. But I think just thinking about this simple situation, this is not this is not like them saying that they love each other or giving them a hug or giving him a present. Like yeah. nothing like this that is, you know, sort of, uh, you know, above and beyond, I guess, in this situation. It's literally like saying goodbye to somebody that is leaving. You know, yeah. we say goodbye to people that we don't like all the time. We say goodbye to people sure. in the store, on the street. We say like, hello, goodbye, those types of things. And it's just a common sort of common decency, common courtesy type thing that's like, you don't even, you know, Vernon to Harry is kind of like, you don't even deserve the respect of like a human being and a person that I would acknowledge on the street. Um, Yeah, no, Harry is not a human being to them. It's this, it's this weird thing that I think um, it's maybe a generational divide, but maybe not where there, there are kind of two ways that people talk about respect. And one of them that tends to be elders i won't say it's all elders but tends to be is like you need to respect me um above and beyond the respect you would give to a regular person because i deserve it and um younger people tend to talk about respect more as like a human decency thing Mm -hmm. like i will afford you the same respect that i afford everybody i will treat you like a person i will say hello please thank you goodbye Mm -hmm. to you and i won't try to ruin your day just for talking to me um but some people tend to conflate the two and they say like i won't respect you unless you respect me what they mean is i won't treat you like a person unless you treat me like i'm better than everybody else and better than you so you know i think vernon is used to that he's used to being treated like he's better than everybody else and when Mr. Weasley tries to meet him on equal terms and talk to him like an equal and say, like, you need to treat your nephew with respect, Vernon isn't hearing, like, you know, what he wants to hear. He's not getting the respect above and beyond his station as he feels like he deserves it. So he's not willing to afford the human decency respect to Mr. Weasley and to Harry. Yeah, but I think it's also, I do think, and I mean, we don't get a lot of description of of all this and then Dudley gets... Um, second in a moment, but I think um, I do feel like the Dursleys, at least Vernon and Petunia, feel some shame in this moment. I think, and Harry feels shame as well, like we talked about. Like, I think they all feel like it is sort of like when, you know, a family abuse or a situation is revealed, it's like, oh no, this is what we, this is our normal, and we know that this is our normal, but somebody else is looking in on this and seeing right. this as this is not normal, and we are kind of ashamed we're ashamed of the fact that we're not ashamed, basically, that this is our normal. We're, we're ashamed because someone is there to see it, not because of our behavior. Yes. But yeah. it's more than that. I mean, it, Harry's biased here, but, but the narration from his perspective says, like, Vernon eyed the wand that was still in Mr. Weasley's hand, and then he decided to concede. Yes, yes. And say goodbye. Like, it wasn't just shame. No, and it no. It wasn't just Mr. Weasley. Just fear. It was, yeah. I mean, he's, he's saying that he was just afraid. Yeah. Um, And that's how he's characterized. He's so stubborn that, you know, the only thing that can overcome his pride is fear. And that's it. Yeah. And that's and that's true for 
And it's fear of the unknown because if he knew Mr. Weasley, he would know that he wouldn't hurt a fly. Right. Um, and, you know, it's only because he really doesn't understand wizards and especially this wizard that he's like afraid of him. Yeah. You know? And I mean, and he's afraid. And so which is why it just brings me to my point of why is Dudley so stupid in this moment? Okay, because <laughs> let's think like I understand that Dudley is objectively dumb and is on this restrictive diet and is having a bad time and is, you know, in a vulnerable position. However, he's so scared of wizards that he's, you know, clutching his bum because he's gotten, because <laughs> he's scared of his pigtail situation and he's yeah. so scared they've just blasted open his living room. Like, he's in a fear state. Honestly, he probably didn't even think about it. He's like, it's a candy, I'm going to eat the candy. I'm going to pick it up. But it, to you know, me, it's, it's like, like an animal instinct. It's like he saw... You know, everyone saw them do their very obvious, like, whoops, we're dropping it situation. But again, he's stupid. I like, he's he so saw stupid. That, he saw that, but he didn't think of it as, like, an, you know, fake accident. He saw it as, like, a real accident. He was like, ooh, they left the candy. I'm going to eat that. It's, like, so funny because it's almost like, what if, you know, these were, like, I don't know. It's, it's like, these are, like, your enemies and they're, like, leaving something that's, like, food. It's, like, clearly poison. Mm-hmm. You know, you would think, like, I'm not going to eat anything they serve me type situation. So... I mean, right. I understand I mean, just that the answer is that he's dumb, but I just thought it was pretty silly given given all this. Um, and there's a lot of other great funny moments, of course. Yes, um, Mr. Weasley mispronouncing electricity el- multiple times. Eclectic, yeah. Yes, I love that. Uh, and, and oh, oh, we forgot to talk about this. Um, the fact that Dudley just is like mute the entire time, clutching his bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Weasley... Things that he doesn't just, understand like, like like harry probably explained this a little bit to ron and, and fred and george so they kind of just laugh at dudley mm-hmm. mr weasley you know kind hearted man that he is is like i don't oh no is dudley like mentally challenged yeah. or something like he talks to him as though he's a small child a little child yeah he's like did you have a good holiday yeah you know and dudley's just like <laughs> yeah because <laughs> he doesn't know what's going on and then yeah. you know fred and george's prank i mean i think what's funny is the reactions from the Dursleys and the sort of irony of, like, them at this point being so, especially Vernon, you know, so mm-hmm. angry at Mr. Weasley that they're not accepting the help. I mean, we we assume they eventually accept the help, but they're not accepting the help that they need. Right. Um, but as it's we talked about... Kind of like about, what we were just talking about last chapter with, like, Harry learning to accept help from his friends. Yeah. Um the Dursleys are pretty much refusing to accept Mr. Weasley's help. Um, but also, I mean, to their credit, this was everything that they were afraid of exactly. in this interaction and more. Like, they didn't expect their living room to get blasted apart. And they definitely didn't expect another, like, Dudley's, Dudley's body growing yeah. body parts yeah. fiasco. Yeah, I mean, if we, you know, we hate the Dursleys. They're the worst, clearly, in yeah. this chapter and in this moment. But they have... Their, their worst fears have come true in this moment and, you know, unintentionally on Mr. Weasley's part, but that is why it makes, you know, Fred and George's uh, prank, you know, so bad because they, it was intentional and they know the history of that whole situation yeah. and um, they made things ultimately worse for their dad. Right. This is a really interesting chapter tonally. Um, and what I mean by that is, like, we've talked about all these things that are pretty horrible, like, you know, the way the Dursleys treat Harry, how they don't respect him as a person, how Mr. Weasley tries really hard to, like, connect with them, and it's super awkward, how uh, Fred and George play a very cruel prank on Dudley, um, how their living room was blasted apart. But, like, all of these things are played for laughs yeah. in the chapter, and the the 
aesthetic of the whole chapter is very lighthearted and comedic. And like Harry's fine. I mean, I think that's also something that has comes up a lot in the series is like, since we are with Harry and Harry is kind of our guy and our narrator, like if Harry's fine and like in a good mood, like we're, we're like, this is fine. Even when bad things are happening to people that we actually care about, like, you know, if Harry's like not worried, like we're okay. And I think that that is especially in this case, because it's like, haha, we hate the Dursleys. Um, It is very much a situation of like, Harry's fine. Harry's getting out of here. Yeah. We don't have to be involved in this. Like, Harry knows at the end that Mr. Weasley will sort the whole thing out. Sure. He's a powerful wizard. So he's like, I'm not really worried about Dudley. So it's just played for laughs. Mm-hmm. But, like, it is cruel. And, you know, as a reader, I feel like there is some cognitive dissonance there because you're like, you know, objectively, we should see this as wrong. But instead, it's being played as though it's really funny. And that just doesn't feel right as a reader. I well, think. it doesn't, especially when you think more about it and... You know, I kind of wonder, the way this chapter is written and the way a lot of things are are written kind of in the future around um, the Dursleys is that I wonder if this had played out that, like, Mr. Weasley hadn't been there and, like, we had found out that Dudley died from this, like, would people be upset or would people be like, cool, that's fine? You no, know? I don't think people would be cool with that at all. I mean, I think the, the reason why it's okay that it's played for laughs is because everything is fine and... It feels like everybody knows that it's going to be fine. Right. And and Fred and George say that they knew it was going to be fine. But I think, yeah. um, I don't know. It's like, I know that too. And obviously, of course, like, I don't think Harry would have actually been okay with it. But it almost seems like, again, like, everyone's sort of dehumanizing everybody in this case. It's a good point. I mean, you know, going back to what we were talking about with respect earlier, like, clearly, um, the twins don't respect Dudley. Mm-hmm. And neither does Ron, neither does Harry, really. But... But the way that Harry doesn't respect Dudley isn't the same way that the twins don't. Where Harry doesn't respect Dudley on, you know, the the Vernon level, where it's like he doesn't respect him more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. But the twins almost don't respect him as a human. Well, and I think also at this point, I mean, we have to do a lot of inferring, like you said, because there's only two chapters that the Dursleys are in. But basically what we hear from these chapters about Harry's experience at home this summer is like, things are pretty chill. Like, everyone's, like, the same amount of mean to him, but, you know, Dudley's kind of vulnerable. Dudley's not, like, beating Harry up, or we don't get the impression that he's being, like, you know, bullied by Dudley in the same way that he has been when he was little. It seems like he's spending a lot more time alone this year, and that they're not bothering him as much, which is what he prefers. And so he's sort of staying out of the way. You know, this, this seems like the first time with the letter that there was any sort of conflict that had to start happening right this will be assumed but i think that also makes this scene a little bit weird because it didn't come from for example it's not like last chapter we just saw dudley beat harry up and then now this happens right right? like it's not retribution for anything in particular no we just see like dudley is having a hard time on his diet and he's terrified of the wizards and then this happens so we're we're you know it's an interesting place because i don't feel like um you know there's some some you know, anger that happens towards Fred and George in the next chapter, but mostly it's like very lighthearted, everything's fine, and yeah, we don't and think about this for at laughs. all. Yeah. Next chapter as well. Yeah, no, I think really it was just that they picked him because he was an opportune target. Yeah, so we doesn't make it any better. But so that's we want to continue is. to you know, we'll find out much more in the next chapter, but I think as this book goes on and then the series goes on, I think this is where we want to start really tracking Fred and George's characters mm-hmm. um, and how they evolve. And, you know, at this moment, 
even though we love them, there's it's not a great look. And yeah. their, their joke things are not a great look for a long time. So, I mean, the way that they tormented Percy last book was obviously played for laughs. And at the same time, we kind of felt like it was deserved because right. Percy is so narcissistic and big-headed that, you know, them taking him down a peg every now and then in good-hearted fun is fine. And, you know, it's important for, for you to have people that tear you down a little bit when you're getting too big for your britches, I think. But, like, this is going beyond that. And they do, I think, cross the line between what's funny and what's just mean um, in this book and in, in future books. And we start to see that they have kind of a, I wouldn't even call it a darker side, maybe just, like, a ferocity to them in, mm-hmm. in you know, punishing perceived uh, wrongs. Um, that goes beyond what like a really truly good person would do. Like they know that Dudley is an abuser and a bully mm-hmm. and a bigot and an idiot. So they just kind of decide that he's a good target. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not retribution for anything in particular. It's just kind of retribution for who he is as a person that they're like, you're a good target for our bullying, you know, because you're a bully. Yeah. So, you know, we'll keep an eye on that. One more thing that I wanted to discuss, um, let me just throw this at you, because this comes up a lot in discussions of this chapter, I think. Uh, why does the Ministry of Magic not send, you know, an owl or multiple owls for all of the instances of magic being done at mm. Fort Privet Drive? Well, I, so what, here's what I assume. I assume that because Mr. Weasley says, um, I got you on the flu network, you know, for just for today, of course, right? I, my assumption is Mr. Weasley let the ministry know, hey, we're going to be doing this. We're going to be taking Harry, like, basically, like, gave a pass for magic in this place. Because it's like, who's doing magic is me, an adult. And, you know, this is, you know, it just seems like it, he sort mm-hmm. of said, like, whatever happens today, like, is a wash. And they also did that but i mean that's a good point i never thought about that before but i assume that since he's in the ministry it's kind of all okay yeah i mean i assume it has something to do with mr weasley's presence there but then you know that also has the potential drawback of being like okay but like what if harry had like killed all of his (laughs) family with the killing curse like before the weasleys showed up would that like not would they have been like oh that's cool you know whatever no for sure turning off the trace for the day um no but i think i think it's probably something like that or it's something like you know they can detect when an adult wizard is nearby. Yeah. And if there's an adult wizard nearby, they just assume that it was them casting the Well, I the think spells, they can also tell... Like, or that they would police themselves. Because right. something that comes up a lot in discussions of the Trace are like, you know, the Weasley's house has a magic lot of underage or, yeah. kids and they're doing magic all the time. So like, how are they detecting their magic? And it's like, well, they probably can't. They're just assuming that like, if you have wizard parents... They can police your actions better than the government can. And keep it together, right. So it's like whenever there's an adult wizard, I assume that they're just like, okay, there's magic, but there's also an adult. So theoretically, like, we don't have to get involved in that. And we see like, oh, you know, he authorized the Flu Network. He's here. Mm -hmm. He had to do some spells while he was there. Fine. And we actually, we do see like nobody, as far as we know, um, None of the kids actually use magic. It is really only Mr. It Weasley. It is Mr. Weasley. But, you know, what we've seen from earlier is, like, it doesn't matter whether Harry cast yeah. a spell or not. They just know that something happened. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to criticize about the idea of the trace. I think it's kind of not a great... Um. I think it's it's not a plot hole, but it's something that she wrote herself into that then she ended up having to write herself out of a few times. Um. 
but it, but I think it is explainable in this instance. And then there's just one last thing, which is that the flu network comes mm-hmm. up again. We've seen the flu network in the last couple of books, I think not explicitly in Prisoner of Azkaban, but it's likely that like when Snape was talking to Lupin while he was interrogating Harry, he probably like used the flu network to get him to talk to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to come up a bunch of times in the future that like it is significant that the Ministry of Magic can monitor the flu network right. because... In the next book, Harry's going to try to talk to Sirius, and he's going to have to find an unmonitored fireplace. Right. And then in in future books, it's explained that Harry can't just flu network himself out of Privet Drive because the Ministry has fallen to the Death Eaters, and they're watching his house on the flu network as well. So, like, um, that definitely will will come back uh, in future books, too. Thank you all for listening to Harry Podcast and Back to the Burrow. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion of this chapter. If you have thoughts or questions about anything we've discussed today, especially echoltricity, please email <laughs> us at contact at theharrypodcast.com. You can find out more about the show and listen to any of our episodes at theharrypodcast.com or on Apple Podcast. Stay tuned for next time when we laugh through Chapter 5, Weasley's Wizard Wheezes. I'm Madeline. And I'm David, and we'll see you next time on The Harry Podcast. Knox.